Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about SEO for beginners, how you can start learning your about SEO, how you can get traffic, sales, and get more insights about that. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Fiona Blinko. How are you? Good, thank you, Anatoly. And how are you this uh, this uh, my morning, your evening? Yeah, I'm doing great. I love evening because at that time uh, I can reload my mind by learning something new about SEO because, you know, uh, I start my morning by uh, helping my customers, you know, supporting them, uh, provide some jobs. But in the evening, I usually learn more, you know, uh, read articles, watch videos. And yeah, it's my attitude. It works for me. I think that everyone has their attitude. Uh before we start, just tell more about your experience and I want to uh, tell about our sponsor, Ahrefs, SEO tools and resources to grow your search traffic. So I think uh, Ahrefs uh, has a goal to be uh, a must-have tool for everyone. So we will see, but I'm using Ahrefs every single day. And before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to share this topic with us. Sure. So um, my experience is that I um, talk with a lot of uh, website owners and a lot of small businesses. I'm located in Australia, in South Australia. Um, so a lot of the people, the businesses I speak with are physiotherapists, yoga teachers, um, wellness counsellors, you know, they're, they're sole traders or they're businesses that maybe have five or less staff. Uh, and there's no dedicated marketing person. So someone's been given the role of marketing, either it's the business owner themselves or it's, you know, the admin person or something like that. And so they're kind of stretching their skills, if you like, to try and do some of this marketing and they often um, don't understand it uh, that well. And SEO is, of all the different digital marketing you can do or even marketing more generally, SEO has got to be, I think, in the more complicated space, you know, for people. You know, you, you could write um, an article about the ultimate guide to SEO and it could be 10,000 words and still not long enough, really, you know, for all the <laughs> for all the different things you can be doing for search engine optimization. So I like to really break it down and um, give these uh, business owners half a chance of understanding it and maybe a little bit of chance of implementing it, of actually doing it on their website. So I try and get them started. Um, and then if they need to graduate to a more professional person to do the SEO for them at some later stage, then well, good on them. But but I, I try to kind of hit that very beginning spot for them so that they can at least just start getting their head around it a bit. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah. From my experience, it's better to teach uh, my clients uh, about SEO. Uh, for example, if they order my services and don't uh, understand SEO, it's hard to get results because we cooperate as a cohesive team because we have uh, cohesive goals and we need to achieve them. But when they think that SEO are magicians can provide everything, you know, it doesn't work like this. It's the same like, I don't know, learning about... Um, I don't know, many things like playing football. You know, if you uh, don't play football, you can't be a good soccer player. If you uh, want to be a good uh, tennis player, any coach can help you if you don't understand why you need to do it. So, so yeah, it's the same with SEO. Can you tell where to start? For example, if I want to jump on this field, if I want to get this traffic, can you tell what I need to do first? I think the best starting point is 
the writing that you've got on your website? What are you saying on your website? So if you're a pest control person, you know, you know more about pest control than anyone else, you know, at least mm-hmm. around you. And you certainly know more than your clients. So write about it. Start writing about it. And even at this point, if you don't understand, you know, what keywords are, although I do encourage people to understand that, but even if you don't understand that, just write a page about how to get rid of spiders in the room or what happens if you meet a snake or whatever it is. Or if you're a yoga teacher, you know, um, you know what's a good pose to do in the morning if you've got a sore back, you know, or if you're a physiotherapist, what's the best exercises to do after a football injury or whatever it is that your business is, you know, you know about it. So write about it because Google loves text. So if you can give Google the hint that your website is about this stuff, then that's that's the main thing. So I and it's something the business owners can do. Like if if we get a bit too technical with them, we start talking about page load speed or site structure, which is all important, don't get me wrong. It is important for SEO. But if I start talking about that with my business owners that have no idea about SEO or have got super confused about it because they've looked at YouTube articles, they've read blog articles, you know, and they're kind of like going, oh, I don't know where to start. I don't, I don't know what this means. What's a long tail keyword versus a short tail keyword? And and there's a lot of jargon and, and they get confused. So I just really recommend that business owners start with writing stuff that they know about to do with their business write that on your website, whether it says a service page, a blog article, on a product page, on a collection or category page, on an e-commerce shop, wherever you might find a way to get it on your website, start writing. So that's where I reckon the beginning is for most of our, uh, you know, our beginner business owners. Mm -hmm. Love it, love it. I think, uh, you know, uh, it's the first thing that I usually tell my clients, uh, write for a human and forget about search Mm. engines, you know, because just start writing because, you know, I think the era of lazy marketers is that, you know, uh, today you can't order uh, text from copywriters who don't know your topic. So uh, better than you, nobody can create awesome quality text and then you can optimize for search engines. Can you tell, for example, if I wrote some awesome text, how to optimize for search engines to get actually traffic? Well, um, the, what I, you know, you, you look at what the keywords are you are using and, and a lot of business owners that I come across, they've just started their business um, and they want to be, especially in the health sector, but other education as well. High, these are kind of especially highly educated people, really, actually. It's not so much, but if you've been to university and, you know, you're, 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 you've come out, you've been a teacher for 30 years, let's say, and now you've decided to go out and create your own business that's in the education space, let's just say as an example, and you like to refer yourself to yourself as an educator because that's what you're doing in whatever space, a sports educator or a wellness educator or something or other. And uh, I'll say to them things like, well, people don't really use the word educator when they're searching. They're going to use teacher because teacher is what we kind of use, you know. And I'll um, uh, use Google Trends as a very easy graphical way for people to see, you know, visually a graph about how many search volumes educator gets versus teacher. 
And then I say, so if you're going to optimise your site and you're going to write about what you do, maybe using the word teacher that most people use, even though you kind of want to use educator because you feel like it's more descriptive and, and, and more to the point of what you do, perhaps stick with teacher. And, you know, the same thing if you if you have a gift shop or a, a body care shop and you want to call it body care rather than moisturiser. You know, most people might call it moisturiser or skin moisturiser rather than body care, you know. But, you know, you can use Google Trends, which is free. You know, you don't even need to sign up. You don't even need a password or a login to use Google Trends. And it just um, graphically shows. Sure, it doesn't have exact search volume, but it just gives you a real sense of are they searching for this or are they searching for this? And if you're going to optimise your page, you might as well optimise it for the search term um, that people are going to, more people are going to use if it's relevant to your business. So I kind of start, yes, write text and then let's think about the words that you are writing so that you're going to pick up that volume of, of search traffic that you really, uh, you really after. So that's kind of the, the next step, if you like, and, and what I say about keywords. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, can you tell more about volume? Uh, because, you know, I think this metric can confuse more than help. Uh, many people are looking uh, for getting this volume, like 10,000 uh, searches per month, 100,000 searches per month. But it doesn't mean that you can get uh, totally the same traffic. It depends on your position, on uh, CTR and many other parameters. Can you tell how to choose the right keywords, uh, especially when you have big competitors, uh, companies like Amazon, I don't know, YouTube, Pinterest? as many others, Wikipedia that occupied the top 10 results, so it's hard to compete with them. And uh, how to choose the right strategy with the right volume, uh, considering your competition? Yeah, look, that's a great question, Anatoly. It really is. And isn't that at the crux of the difficulty of doing search engine optimization? I mean, you know, it really is difficult. But, you know, we know that when we do websites, we do have two bites of the cherry. Um, we don't have to decide between one or the other because we can just create another page on the website, especially if you're doing blog articles because blog articles give you that freedom to, um, you know, uh, create extra content. But, you know, going back to the pest control uh, person, you know, if there's more uh, volume on pigeon control rather than bird control, well, by all means, you know, create an article or do a service page about pigeon control. And yes, it's going to be more competitive because more people are going for it, but do one on bird control as well, you know, and then you've got two bites of the cherry. You don't need to stop at one. Um, I would encourage people to start early with some of those really competitive keywords, you know, just to kind of see how they go, they can measure it in six months and 12 months and just get it out there, give it a go, you might not win. You might not win in that space if it's super competitive and that might be the result. And so maybe there's a little bit of wasted energy and a wasted time. So you don't want to do too much of it. But for a keyword that is really just spot on exactly for your business, if it's super competitive, I would still say give it a go, 
early on, get it started so that you can kind of track that and see how you go. But then maybe do that one or two pages on that and then focus on those ones that are really niche and you think you do have half a chance of actually uh, winning in um, because, you know, then at least you're going to at least get some response back, some positive some success and we know that if you get a little bit of success it then motivates you to kind of keep going but I've got quite a funny story well I find it funny I've got a bit of a funny story with this one Anatoly I call it my accidental hero so I wrote a blog article I've been writing blog articles on my website since I started six years ago and I, I write maybe one a month and I've now got a library of about 60 blog articles some of them don't get much traffic, some of them sort of get a little bit. And one gets 5,000 visitors a month, which for me is a good result. And, you know, it, I'm a, just a small business in the end. Um, and, and so 5,000 a month is, is a pretty good result for me. But what I did, I didn't do my keyword research at this point in time. I just wrote the article and I wrote the article to answer client inquiries, which is a great starting point for people if they don't know what to write what are the clients typically asking you what are they repeatedly asking you you know and and after you've given the answer for the third fourth fifth time well hey there's a blog article that that's your content for your blog article and that will go down really well and then next time somebody asks you you can say hey look the answer is this and here here's a link for more information so you can use it in your everyday business beyond reasons for search engine optimization you can actually use it for functional reasons to answer client inquiries so i did that and the client inquiry was this fiona i don't understand what a hundred kilobyte image is i don't understand what a two megabyte image is that doesn't make sense to me because we build websites as well and one of the things i tell my clients is you know we need to have you know a smaller uh, images to keep your page loading fast and while I do that for many of my clients when we hand over the website they then attempt to update their own website and I'm teaching them how to update their own website so in that phase where I'm, I'm teaching them you know with your images this is what you've got to do their eyes glaze over and they're just going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I wrote a blog article, I did a video tutorial on it. Well about, it took about maybe 10 months, maybe 12 months. And at some point, this article, Google found it and Google just loved mm -hmm. it, you know. And I, don't, I didn't know at the time, but a lot of people Google what's a two megabyte size image. And my article answers that. Um, now, I call it my accidental hero because it's lovely having a blog article that gets that many visitors. But in the end, I don't provide image resizing software. <laughs> If I provided image resizing software, I could perhaps sell this blog article to someone and they could get the traffic. So it's great that my site overall gets more traffic. That's good for SEO. Uh, it's a nice article. I can still use it for clients. But in the end, it's not converting anyone. Anyone that comes to it randomly that wasn't already a client comes to it randomly, gets their information. That's good. That's my little bit of free giveaway to the world, you know, because I've taken a lot from, you know, people uh, writing about stuff as well to do stuff. So, I mean, you give and you take. It's a, it's a bit of both, isn't it? And um, so I, I don't mind that it's up there, but it, it doesn't actually get new clients for me because my keyword is not actually connected with or relevant to services I actually 
provide. It's a, it's a little bit of an offshoot, if you like. So, you know, um, I call that my accidental hero. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah, interesting story. Uh, I think, you know, yeah, uh, traffic, uh, if you get traffic, uh, the traffic needs to cover like uh, your buying persona you know, uh, related to products, but I had some articles as well that brought uh, huge traffic without any conversions. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I never, uh, get, uh, uh, I understand that if I wrote this article, if it brings traffic, I can leave it. So yeah, just go ahead. But uh, yeah, I, I understand your, uh, you want to share some value, you want to help others. Why not? And especially you don't need to consider only conversion. Sometimes you can create brand awareness uh, with mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah. Uh, and to submit call to action, for example, I can submit call to actions to some articles, irrelevant articles. Why not? So uh, if we, I can touch some relevant audience, you know, or uh, surround with uh, relevant text uh, in some paragraphs. So I think it's possible. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have the next question about uh, copywriting. For example, if some companies have no experience with writing, uh, you mentioned in the first part that you can write yourself. But, you know, uh, some companies, even big companies, uh, uh, have no experience with that. And when I tell them you need to write some uh, valuable stuff, interesting information, they reply to me, I have no time with that. I don't know how to do. I need to compete with my competitors to create and develop my products. Uh, can you help such companies to find responsible copywriters who can create some high quality text for them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, copywriters, uh, I had someone, I was doing a workshop the other day and I had somebody in the workshop who was selling uh, um, selling knitting products. So yarn, knitting wool, knitting needles. And we talked about copywriters and she goes, oh, I couldn't get a copywriter in because they wouldn't know about my stuff, you know. And I said, well, I'd like to challenge that one a little bit because the art of a good copywriter, what makes a good copywriter is one that will come in and learn about your products or services. Now, that they'll need to interview people, they'll need to read up, they'll need to research, they'll need to investigate. They may need to get two or three articles into or two or three months into working with you before they get good or before they find a voice that matches the kind of um, style that you are comfortable with because really in a way they're ghostwriting, they're, they're, they're writing on behalf of you or your business and you want their voice and their style to reflect what you want to put out there in the marketplace. So it will take them, especially in that early phase, two or three goes probably to kind of find the lane, to find that kind of point where they're going, yep, I, I understand this client, I understand their products, I understand their services and, and now I can write really good copy for them. So I think we need to allow any copywriter, I would think, some time to, to find that, some ability to go back to you and maybe their first draft wasn't that good. That's fine. Work with them. And I mean, okay, if you keep working with them after six months and then they're not there, then, you know, find another copywriter. But initially give them a little bit of leeway to make mistakes, to try this, to try that, to experiment and, and, and feed back to them. Don't just go, put your arms up in the air and go, oh, that was terrible and walk away from it. Work 
with them. And, and I would say this about most consultants, SEO consultants, you know, work with the people that you've hired. Um, and, you know, yes, after a while, if it really doesn't work out, leave, go find someone else. But in the initial phase, give them some slack, give them some room. And, you know, the, these good copywriters, they they can, you know, they, they, they can get their head into, you know, what it is they're trying to find. And some copywriters obviously do have some niches. So if uh, uh, one of my clients is a medical, they sell to hospitals. Now, there's in the health sector, there are certain ways you're allowed to write things and certain things you're not. You, you're not allowed to make certain claims, you know, and so you've got to be very, very careful. So with a medical writer, you might want to get a copywriter who is a medical copywriter. In the software space or, um, you know, engineering space, you might get a technical writer, someone who kind of has that real logical mind but can manage to put it in easy language. So there are different copywriters for different things sometimes. Some of them specialise, so it's worth looking for your specialty if there is one. Um, but for the most part, copywriters are able to understand or learn about your product and service, give them that time and, and really work with them, you know, give them the feedback, consult with them uh, and, and give them that time. But, you know, they're pretty, um, I don't have that talent. I mean, I can write for myself and I can kind of put I, I can write um, and I don't mind putting words together, uh, but, you know, the people who are good at it, you know, well, they're good at it and they do it for a reason, don't they? That's what they do. So um, that's that's what I guess uh, I would put forward about copywriters, yeah. Love it, love it. Yeah, I, I think it's important to give time to copywriter, you know, to research, to learn more about your products, to understand your audience. So yeah, if you have, uh, just tell them, please write 2000 words. I need this article, write about that. Yeah, you can get generic stuff without uh, special new insights. But when copywriters have time, you know, uh, I usually compare copywriters and journalists, you know, because, you know, journalists can research. They, uh, they know uh, their... Uh, uh, you know, their revenue depends on uh, their articles. If people want to read more, if they're interested in that, yeah, they can get more money. Uh, but, you know, copywriters usually charge for uh, the, uh, the quantity, not quality. So, yeah, I think um, uh, it's better to give them time to learn more about your customers, uh, user intent. By the way, uh, tell more about user intent. How to learn user intent? For example, if we found a list of keywords, we want to create content for them. Uh, can you tell how do you learn user intent before creating content? Did you say use an intern? Y user's intent, yeah. Use an intern? Oh, I, yeah. I, never, ha I never have. I've, I've never... I've never used an intern for my copywriting, so I'm not. Uh -huh. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I, I can tell about user intent. For example, if you uh, want to create article how to lose weight, you know uh, the intent. People want to know uh, tips. You know uh, how you can actually lose weight uh, to uh, I don't know to train to eat healthy food, uh, to rest. Uh, so, for example, if people uh, are looking for keywords uh, by iPhone, you know, uh, uh, by iPhone uh, 13, uh, yeah, they want to buy. They're not interested to read about uh, reviews about iPhone. They want to actually uh, to get this gadget. So, yeah, I think uh, users in turn depends on the top 10 results. If you uh, see e-commerce results, yeah, you can create articles with that if you see uh, blog articles so you can create okay. uh, 
content with that. Okay. Oh, uh, okay, tell me about technical optimization. Uh, how to uh, check out websites with technical issues? Well, we use um, frequently uh, the online tool GT Metrics. Mm -hmm. So we'll plug a, a website domain into GT Metrics and get their score. Uh, and often when we have a website that has been left to languish for you know, four or five years, it's not unusual for um, a client to come to us and say, yeah, I haven't done anything with four or five years and I, the website developer has either moved on, gone out of business or sometimes they end in a difficult relationship, which is a bit unfortunate, I think, when that happens, but it does happen mm -hmm. from time to time. Um, and so for whatever reason, they're not going back to the original website developer, which I recommend they do. I, I recommend if you've had a website developer, you've got your website developed, um, if at all possible, go back to them for your future needs because they know your website better than anyone else. But that's cold comfort to people that, for whatever reason, are not going to go back to their website, their original website developer. Mm -hmm. So we do get those clients, and these sites have often been left to languish. Nothing has happened with them for four or five years. We put them through GT metrics, and they usually get something like an E score, maybe a D if they're mm -hmm. lucky. Um, and, you know, the plugins are – this is a WordPress website I'm, I'm talking about. You know, the plugins are out of date, and the theme is really old, and maybe the license for the theme is expired or, or we don't have the uh, the license key for it or or whatever it is but GT metrics is a great tool it, it, it it's highly technical you know you need to you know for people to be able to read a, a, a result in GT metrics you know it probably takes you know maybe 10 uh, goes at, at 10 different websites to kind of go through, oh, this means that and this means that and, you know, how do I fix that and how do I fix this? And, you know, Google's a wonderful thing, you know, if it's got something in there, mm -hmm. you just Google it and says, what does this mean? And, you know, someone in the world has written a ha helpful article about, you know, what caching means or, you know, what it, whatever it is that, that comes up in the report. So we find that that's an objective way of looking at a site. So if a client says to us, oh, yeah, it loads great, well, it might load great on their internet or because they've got it cached on their computer or, or whatever the result might be. But we want to have an objective look about just if some random person came along to their website, what could they expect? Uh, and then we can also visually show the client, we take a snippet of the GT metrics um, result the before and then once we've done our technical work on the site then we take a little snippet after and they can just kind of see oh it went from a d to a b and they might not understand all the different languages and we don't show them the whole report because that would get too boring for them but at least they can see top level oh well there's an objective measurement of the site and it has you know gone from one score to another in the positive direction in a good way um so we kind of use that and it comes up with very similar results. Well, the similar things or the frequent things that we come across are the images are too big. You know, there's a two megabyte image in there or several two megabyte images in there. So that is a very frequent thing. The out of date stuff, which I've mentioned already. Um, sometimes there's broken links. That's not, uh, you know, unusual for us to see. Uh, sometimes the caching is just uh, perhaps not as modern as what it now can be and, and it hasn't got, you know, the, the 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 best practice. I mean, what was best practice five years ago on a WordPress website 
is different now, you know, because mm-hmm. things have moved on and, and the technology moves on. And, and so just keeping up with those things. So that's kind of, it's a nice little tool and, and we find that it very, it's very useful. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Uh, uh, what do you think if uh, webmasters can't fix a lot of technical errors? Uh, you know, I, I often see this issue uh, when uh, uh, JITmetrics or any other tools can provide a list of technical errors, a lot of them. How and webmasters have limited possibilities because of CMS, because of uh, their uh, skills, I don't know, may, many other stuff, uh, because of content, because uh, w- when we have such uh, uh, a lot of uh, elements, uh, images, it's hard, you know, to uh, fix everything because it's not only about the text. Can you tell uh, how to find critical errors that you must fix and uh, what you can ignore? Ah, well, <laughs> what can you ignore? <laughs> There's a good question, isn't it? Um, well, the I I don't think you should necessarily ignore it on the 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 skill of the webmaster, but unfortunately, that's what sometimes happens, and sometimes client expectations are, are perhaps different, and perhaps sometimes website developers aren't best at communicating, uh, you know, where they're at with things. So, for example. We build WordPress websites and we build them in the page builder uh, Divi, which is a very popular page builder. Um, Now, if somebody comes to us with a Shopify site or a Squarespace site, we'll actually say to them, look, this isn't in our our lane. We, we, We just don't have enough experience with those type of websites to be able to give you good service. So I think it's beholden on the website developer to be true and fair and honest about where is their specialization or what what are they good at and um you know you really can't be i don't believe great at all the different platforms it's almost impossible they change too much and at some point you've probably got to specialize um and then even if somebody comes to us with a wordpress website and it's got elementor or wp bakery builder now we do have several sites with those um page builders and you know they kind of operate a bit like Divi but you know there's some differences and I've noticed for example the header in Elementor can be quite tricky to get right you know and sometimes they'll often come to us with the free version and and I'll go back to them well if you want me to fix that up you're going to have to just you know bump up and go to the premium version because the, 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 the premium version of Elementor is, is a lot better than the free version and you've got away with the free version all these years but I'm here to tell you that that's about to stop, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, understand and, and, you know, it is sometimes difficult for website developers to tell, is it my skill set that is preventing me from not being able to fix this or is it unfixable? <laughs> you know, like, and sometimes we don't know, you know, because, you know, it's hard to tell sometimes. And, you know, we go onto forums and we go onto the help desk of, you know, whichever plugin we're using or theme we're using. And, you know, we, we lodge a support ticket and we may get an answer that helps us. We may not, you know. And so there's some genuine times when, you know, we can't really tell that. So I think... Um, it, I think we all have to work in good faith with one another. The clients have to work in good faith with the web developer and the web developer has to work in good faith with them. Honesty goes both ways. And if you really get to a point where you say, look, this is an error, this is a critical error, but I don't know how to fix it and I've explored all my different options. But look, 
the website is still working. You know, if we go to the website as a member of the public, it is working. I, I just see it as a critical error in the background. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep a watchful eye on this. Over the next two, three months, I'm just going to see if something pops up in the forums or that lodged support ticket comes back with a different answer or perhaps the plug-in author puts in a, a, a bug fix, you know, because they've responded to whatever I've done. So, look, I'm just going to keep a watching eye on this. But just to let you know, it's sitting there. But the website is actually okay to the general public who the the visitor that goes to it is actually okay. So you know, in a way, we can see a critical error in the background, but it might not be unless it's actually impacting on the website user experience and impacting to a degree that we can tell is really bad. You know, I mean, if if it's kind of like going to turn clients away or make client uh, or make the website visitor go, oh, that website's a bit <laughs> odd. You know, like if you have that reaction to a website, you want to fix it. Like, you know, you want it to be a seamless experience for the website visitor because as soon as they get that sense that something's odd, that translates into, and I don't trust this business. That's that's what that odd reaction translates. And you don't want website visitors to not trust your business. You want them to trust your business. And they do that when they go to a website that is just seamless. It just works. We don't notice things when they work because we just expect them to work, but we notice them when they're wrong. And so if the visitor notices something wrong, then to me, that's the point where you really go, okay, I'm paying this error super, you know, I, this error is super important for me to pay attention to. And the other errors can just sit and wait and watch and we'll do them when we can and if we can, but we're not going to worry about them. So that's to me, the, the litmus test, if you like, on a critical error. Mm -hmm. Valuable. So valuable. Love it. Uh, I have the question about three things that all webmasters need to do today. Can you tell them? Oh, so the three things that webmasters need to do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting question. All right. Um, well, one is, I think, keep the site maintained. Don't let it languish for five years, three years, you know, without updating your plugins, uh, without making sure that, you know, things are operating reasonably smoothly. So I, I think, you know, the, the first thing is to maintain it, you know, so that it, it, mm -hmm. it, just, it just works. Um, the second thing um, is... <laughs> this is is this the website client or the, the website master or the client and people will argue about this one but record and be able to retrieve your usernames and passwords and that's more for the client but you know what I always record them for the client even though it's not my responsibility I'll record them anyway because about I would put it at about 50% and maybe it's a little bit less, but it's not much less of my clients are not able to retrieve their usernames and passwords for their domain, for their hosting, for their WordPress admin, mm -hmm. you know, for their Google Analytics, for their Google My Business, whatever it might be. Uh, they don't appear to have systems in place. And I don't care whether it's a written book or an Excel spreadsheet, or one of those password, electronic password managers, whatever the system is that works for them, uh, and they're able to record and retrieve their usernames and passwords to these important accounts, because websites and online marketing 
all have these username and passwords and we get more and more of them have a system in place. And I think the website manager, it's beneficial to them, even though it might not be their obligation to just even do it on behalf of or in addition to the client, encourage the client to have their system, but have it in your back pocket anyway, because, you know, it's super useful to you. And the other thing is, I would say the third one is just have a backup of the site. Again, even if the client has not paid their bills or they haven't paid to have a backup done, you know, and you haven't said that you'll do a backup, just do a backup because, you know, if something goes wrong, that is your get out of jail card, uh, your free card. You know, you, you can you can go, oh, yeah, I happen to have a backup, you know, and it doesn't take much effort to do a backup. It's, it's not a biggie. Just do it. Just don't argue with the client. Don't even tell them you're doing it if you don't want to. I don't care. Just have a backup because, you know, we do know that um, things can go wrong. You know, the client can go in there and, and stuff it up. Somebody might hack the site. You might go in there and stuff it up, you know, as the webmaster. Hey, that's probably happened. So I would have a backup. So that would be my three things, Anatoly. Nice. Yeah, I think things happen all the time. You know, uh, my website was hacked two times. You know, I lost a lot okay. of traffic uh sales i know about that uh, and uh, right now i'm paying to hosting and they uh, uh have my backup uh, they usually uh, uh save time to time i don't remember exactly the period of time but yeah they usually do it uh, and uh, okay i want to ask three things that websites don't need to do to avoid <laughs> obsolete techniques can you tell them yes okay all right so um, things that move, things that move on websites. So now the, if you're a great designer and you're a great website designer and you can pull it off, then by all means have things that move on your website. You know, little animations, little pop-ups, little this, little that, all the rest of it. Because if you can make a site, I've seen some great animated sites and they're usually big, expensive sites because it takes money and time to make a site great when you've got a lot of these moving things animations or, or cartoons or just fun stuff mm -hmm. you know now most of my businesses as i think i mentioned early on are sole traders or small businesses they're the physiotherapist down the road they're the yoga teacher these people are not necessarily interested in having a whiz bang website and this is a lot of businesses around the world not just in south australia there'd be cities in america in canada and in india everywhere that are these small operators they need to have a website you know you've got to be online you've got to be seen but you know they don't need the latest whiz bang pop up this and you know animated character here and this and and what have you and you know if you spend too much time on the whiz bang trinkets stuff like that too much time and money rather than just getting a decent good looking site up now that's a bit boring um but you know most of your website visitors you know just want the website to work and just want to know how to navigate and want to how to find stuff so make it simple for most websites, most businesses, in the, especially small businesses, just make the website nice and simple. No need to go that extra little blings. But mm -hmm. So that's what one thing I would say that you don't need to do. In the main, there's exceptions, but that's in the main. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is don't, well, okay, what don't they need? 
That's a really <laughs> interesting it's a question I've never, never really sort of thought much about before. Um, I, the, 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 and, but that thing about the whiz-bang, it reminds me of uh, a client I've got at the moment and the saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, you know, mm, he yeah. created this, you know, little gif to put on a website. And it, I mean, it's great for social media. It would look great for social media, but but just doesn't belong on a website. So I was just trying to be too too clever uh, by half, I think. Um, what are the I don't know. That's the only one I can think of that comes to mind. I don't know that I can think of another two. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there's another two. I just can't oh, think of them. Probably the black hat techniques, automation, uh -huh. writing. Many there we stuff. go. Yeah, I think, yeah, we have a lot of things that it's better to avoid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually, you're quite right. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. no, uh, when I started my SEO journey, I didn't know any strategy. Uh, uh only how to buy more backlinks than uh, my competitors have yeah and uh, that worked well for some time then google penalized my first project i lost all my traffic so <laughs> and uh, after that i started to learn more about seo uh, but actually i didn't know any other strategy i didn't know anything about white hat seo i knew that i can buy links i knew that i can create content for uh search engines not for a human and today of course i change all these attitudes uh, all the strategies are obsolete but uh, many uh, specialists still sell them you know still mm. sell black hat seo manipulation uh, content written for robots you know uh, i'm not sure it's a good idea to use them today yeah. i think you're correct i think you're right there yeah you don't want to do that on a website yep yeah, Fiona, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. You know, uh, I love your focusing to help uh, beginners in SEO journey. Can tell? Uh, can you tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've got two websites, but the the one that probably is most suitable is easyasweb.com. So uh, that's where I've got my SEO course uh, up if people are interested. It, it is strictly for beginners. It's not for SEO experts, but mm -hmm. easyasweb.com is the best way to uh, get in contact with me. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again, Fiona. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more, more insights with our audience. And guys, thanks for listening and watching us.